and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman, and you are listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So before we dive right on in, what I'm going to do is just uh, take a quick break, and then we'll come back, and it'll be all guns blazing. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Hello, and welcome back. And so I said all guns blazing. Well, maybe not all guns blazing, but (laughs) there's certainly uh, a lot I want to get off my chest. Uh, I often talk about my party affiliation because I, I think it's important to have a figure someone who puts himself out there, himself, herself out there uh, as a Republican. There is, (laughs) there's really not uh, a lot of choice that you have if you are a Republican. Um, Our numbers are at an all-time low. They're less than 10%, and I think I've shared this before on the show, they're less than 10%, Ten percent. Uh, the number, the number of uh, registered Republicans, less than ten percent, and then in Suffolk County, it's less than six. And I'm actually going to make a bold claim, um, but it's one that I can easily back up. Uh, if it were not for me, if it were not for my persistence, there would be no interest at all in Boston, in this part of the state. Uh, The 7th Congressional District in particular had not had a single candidate to stand up and and run. And so, of course, there was, you know, redistricting, um, but I— you know, I point to Michael Capuano, whom I actually quite liked. Uh, you know, even if I didn't always agree with him on the issues, I thought that he was very much a gentleman. Uh, he was superbly qualified, uh, an abundance of experience, and he was attentive to the people. He was concerned with what people needed not what his handlers wanted. And in fact, he didn't have handlers. He didn't need handlers because he ran for a seat that he was qualified for, ran for that seat, and once in it, I think that he did a fairly decent job 
and representing, you know, first it was the 8th Congressional District and then the 7th Congressional District, I think did a good job. Um, you know, I say fairly decent. You know, I, I come from a school that we don't just kind of bandy about superlatives. Uh, very much old school Boston, old, old school Boston. Um, so if I say that I think he did a fairly decent job, uh, uh, you know, that's very, very high praise. I actually um, miss the representation of Michael Capuano. And uh, it's it's just, it's a shame what we currently have. Um, and I'm not looking to disparage Representative Presley. I know her personally. I don't pretend to be her friend, but I do know her personally. And, you know, I certainly wish her, as I do uh, most people, the best. <laughs> but her representation is very much lacking. And she is an activist who serves at the will of the people. She's not a public servant who serves at the will of the people. Therein lies the big difference. And again, the representation, the difference, the, the, it's, it's, actually, it's actually quite remarkable. And it's, 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 it's unfortunate. But to kind of jump back very quickly to the, that, that uh, bold claim, had I not stood up in 2020 to run against Ayanna Presley, there would not have been a candidate to do so uh, with an R after his or her name, let alone several. And, you know, of course... Because of 2020, the party under the current leadership had an interest in running someone this this cycle as well. But, I mean, we are still very much lacking. I mean, it's, it would be absurd, wildly absurd to say, well, we have someone running against Ayanna Presley, so... Well, well represented now. No, that is just we have a candidate who's running. I don't think much of this individual. Um, but there is a candidate who is running. But someone running for office is not the same as someone holding office. So we don't have that representation. And of course... Apart from this seat, which I had planned on running for, but I chose ultimately to focus on my career, um, and politics is not a career for me. It's it's a passion. It's it's uh, it's, it's 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 also a cesspool. <laughs> it's a cesspool, but it's 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 a beautiful in some ways, magical way to, to get things done and to really, really make a difference 
in the lives of so many people. Um, so yes, very, very much uh, a passion uh, for me, serving um, and politics. But the the underbelly, the the negative aspects are are undeniable, and at times they can almost eclipse the good that can be done. Um, having said that, you know, I, I still think it's worth people standing up to run. Um, I'm not ruling out running a second time for public office myself down the road. Um, it's, it's important. We need different voices. And, you know, again, I know that if I had not been planning to run a second time, there wouldn't be a can another candidate that kind of popped up. So it's it's very frustrating to me for me because the idea is that if I'm a Republican, I'm supposed to just accept having someone to vote for every four years for governor and lieutenant governor. It really, that's what it comes down to. And that's not right. That's not fair. You know, in other parts of the state, people have a choice. We should have a choice everywhere. And you know, I always try to be honest when I am on the radio, when I'm on television, when I am in person, when I'm online. Wherever it is, whatever space in which I'm communicating, I always try to speak from a place of conviction. I always try to be sincere. And so that's what I'm being right now. And I think that it's gross that Massachusetts is a one-party state. Now, it's one thing if there were a majority, maybe even a sizable majority, but we have a supermajority. And, and, and here in, Massachusetts, uh, here in um, Suffolk County, rather, um, most Boston, most, most of Suffolk County is Boston, for those who are less familiar, who are listening and they're less familiar with the geography here in Massachusetts, uh, particularly this part of Massachusetts. Um, uh, Suffolk County is mostly Boston, but, you know, it's also, uh, you know, Revere and Winthrop and, and Chelsea. Um, but it's not quite all of Boston. And um, we just, we are ignored. We are forgotten about. And when there is attention, I mean, actual attention, we don't get that. But when there is attention given to Boston, it's, it's generally because of the headlines. So right now, uh, a lot of people have a lot of things to say about Michelle Wu, Mayor Wu. 
And so you have Lou Murray, who um, some of you might know the name. He write he's well he writes for the Globe. He doesn't write for the Globe, but he he has submitted pieces for the Globe that have been published, and he is um, you know submitted pieces in other publications, and uh, he's been very much active in leading the charge against Wu. He's uh, been very connected to the protesters. And, you know, let's talk about those protesters. So one of them, um, I, 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 you know, I don't know, it depends on the day, but I, I think she's running. I Actually, I think there are two candidates running against Diana Presley. So one of them is, is Donnie Palmer, um, who, I, you know, shouldn't be running for the bus. Um, and then there's uh, Catherine Vitale, who's at least expressed uh, interest in running. Um, and I don't think she's ready for prime time either. And I think that, you know, to speak to that phrase, ready for prime time, I mean, there are some people that it's just, it really... They're not quite there yet. Uh, and then there are other people, and it's just like, what do you think that you're trying to, like, what do you think you're going to accomplish? What is it that you're you're trying to do? Um, so Catherine Vitale, some people might know her because um, she too, um, uh, well, she's, you know, one of the protesters. She's one of the moms who, who's outraged. And, and I mention her name because she's actually, um, you know, looking at those moms. And I think she might be one of the only ones who's actually from Boston. Like, Catherine Vitale is actually from Boston. And <laughs> you have all these other people weighing in. And so I've mentioned Michelle Effendi on this show before. And... I'm tired of her. Now, of course, she has the freedom to express herself. We all do, right? But my thing is, these people, Michelle Effendi and all these other people, right? So I guess Michelle is, I don't know, she's a Republican now. She used to be, as far as I know, a Bernie bro. <laughs> now she leans right, whatever. I don't know. And, and quite frankly, I don't care. Um Catherine leans right. I guess she's a Republican or independent that leads right. I don't know. But the point is, is when you have people who are on the political right or who are aligning themselves with the political right, when they pay attention to Boston, when they pay attention to Boston, it's it's for the headlines. And it's just, I, I'm sorry, but that doesn't work for me. And it's 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 actually offensive, uh, especially if the person isn't actually from here. So you also have uh, I think his name, I don't know butcher his name John Featherston, um, and he you know does something in independent media. Um, you know all politics is local, and then I think he also. Um, the elephant in the room. So the Mass GOP, the Mass Republican Part, Massachusetts Republican Party, has a podcast, and I believe he's the co-host. Um, 
And, you know, he has an awful lot to say about Boston. And he lives well outside the city. He has no roots here. And you want to scream at the top of your lungs, sit down. You know, but even like someone like Catherine, who's actually from here, you know, this is my thing. Why have you not been active before? You have all these people who are so gosh darn upset with Michelle Wu. Did they vote? Have they been voting? Have they been speaking up? And so when you put those questions to them, they, they deflect or they don't respond. Because the answer is they haven't been doing anything. And so the listener's like, well, are, you know, where are you going? Are you going off on a tangent? No, not really, because my point is, is we don't have any real representation out here. We're ignored. But if we do get any kind of attention or, or uh, if there's any kind of uh, flurry of, of activity in Boston, it's down to the headlines. It's not down to people coming here or being here and knowing the issues and wanting to really kind of identify them, articulate on them, and then put forth a resolution. That's not what we have. You know, it's the capital, and so people feel like if they, they're active here in Boston or if they comment on what's going on in Boston, people will then pay attention to them. And I'm sorry, but don't use my hometown uh, in a grab for your 15 minutes so that your tweets will go viral for, for however long, uh, you know, to get your name out there. Concern yourself what goes on in your own backyard. So someone might be saying at this point, well, Rachel, isn't some attention better than no attention? Well, again, this isn't what I would call any of anything of real substance. It's all very superficial. And these people, you know, after they've, you know, made their pronouncements, after they've given their hot takes, you know, they go about their own business in their own communities. And again, you have like the Catherine Vitalis who don't, who, who, who are from here, but might as well not be because they don't even know what's going on in their backyard. But they're only going to stand up when something offends them. And then if, if, if there are headlines that, that are, are created, that are generated, then they're all in. And I don't think that's how real representation works. I don't think that's how advocacy works. You're there. You're embedded in the communities. You talk to the people. It's all about the people. It's only about the people. Where the people are. When I ran in 2020, that's what I talked about, where the people are. And then I had to listen to Anissa Sabi George talk about where the people are because I guess she thought that that sounded cool. And then, of course, Michelle Wu started using the phrase. 
And then you had Lydia Edwards, who's a state senator. And then you had Erin Murphy, who's who's currently a city councilor, but she's, you know, I mean, <laughs> she's an Emerge alumna, so you can expect her to be angling for her next, her next, uh, her next office within the next, what, two, three years, if that. Um, you know, so she gave her spin on that. And I find that hugely offensive because I don't think any of these elected officials are actually really delivering. And I've been pretty outspoken about that. I don't think Anissa Sabi George would have made a great mayor. I mean, she didn't do anything as a city councilor. Now, I appreciate a lot of people or some people or a few people might disagree, but that's fine. I don't think she really did much of anything. And when she ran, the proof of it was that she talked about what she would do. That was really why people would jazz for Anissa Sabi George, because she was talking about what she would do. And I actually end up voting for her, but I did so very, very reluctantly because I know what she actually had done, and it was next to nothing. The mayor, I didn't, Michelle didn't do much of anything on the council. It was all free the tea. And that was the last two, three years because she needed uh, an issue that would really get her name out there because, come on, Michelle had been running for mayor for about 10 years. Let, let's, let's be honest. Michelle didn't just decide within the last three years, to run for mayor. This is, this, she played the long game. And she made her move, and she moved in increments, and she had someone advising her, I I have no doubt. But she had been running for mayor for, (laughs) I want to say, probably a good decade. And the first step was getting elected on the city council, or, or, or a major step toward that goal was getting elected to the Boston City Council. Uh, You uh, have, uh, I mentioned Lydia Edwards. Lydia Edwards, at one point, as as people who are from here know, uh, at one point she was holding down two positions and collecting two salaries for doing no work. So she was elected to uh, the state senate uh, for Suffolk and Middlesex, and that uh, comprehends uh, parts of Boston, including all of East Boston, all of Charlestown, and all of the North End, which are Boston neighborhoods that she represented as the District 1 counselor on the Boston City Council. Uh, it also includes uh, Winthrop and Revere. Uh, and still, I think there there's some parts of Cambridge, yes, parts of Cambridge. Um, but, you know, she held on to her District 1 seat, you know, with the excuse that she didn't want to leave the communities without representation. And, uh, I mean, we weren't getting any representation because she wasn't doing her job. She wasn't responsive to people, P- you know, 
people. It's not, and it's not just Edwards. You know, it's just so many of these politicians, these elected officials. You see, you call them, they don't pick up. You leave a message, they don't return your 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 your, uh, your telephone message. You send them an email, they don't respond. You send a follow up, they don't respond. You go by, you're not necessarily guaranteed to to catch them. And then, and then, you know, there might be like the, 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 you know, the random group of people here or there that actually have the chutzpah, the nerve to wonder why <laughs> uh, people get so upset with politicians. Well, this is one of the reasons why, but unfortunately, a lot of people don't vote. And I'll get to that uh, in greater detail uh, later. But uh, to get back to the point, you know, Aaron Murphy, I, I mean, I don't, I'm tired of hearing about Aaron Murphy's, you know, her runs to this local shop, that restaurant, uh, you know, this small business. The job isn't a ceremonial one. It isn't. So just to put this into perspective for people, Boston City Councilors pulled down over $100,000 a year for the job. There are at least six governors in this country who don't make as much as a Boston City Councilor. I expect these people to be responsive, knowledgeable. I appreciate that, you know, there no one knows everything, um, and I understand that there will be instances where even the best elected officials, the most knowledgeable, they'll learn something. But this idea that you have all these elected officials that go on these listening tours and, and talk about, oh, well, I, I had a conversation with with this organization, and I learned so much, and, and oh, and I went here, and I talked to the people, and I just, it's like, no, you should already know this. There's so much of this that, that they're saying that they're learning that they should already know. And so to get back to my, my grievance, where the people are, I resent politicians like Anissa Sabi George, like Michelle Wu, like Lydia Edwards, like Aaron Murphy, who have all this support, who have a lot of resources at their disposal, yet somehow, some way, they can't do their jobs and they can't do any better than rip off <laughs> the, the ideas, the mantra the 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 talking points, the plans, the whatever of people who aren't elected, but who just simply care and speak from the heart. So I, I don't like that. I got to say that. So where the people are. So we need, that's what we need. We need elected officials that Really, just everything that they do revolves around where the people are. And that can be literally, but it's also figurative, too. And that takes dedication, and that takes commitment, a lot of which I don't see. And so I get back to my party, the Republican Party. 
you know, it, it really, quite frankly, it disgusts me, the idea that there isn't going to be anyone running for an office unless I stand up to run. You know, and, and it really kind of makes me think, gee, politics really is a cesspool, right? <laughs> so we can't have someone run for an office, or th- this office or that office, unless we have someone who is qualified. And then all of a sudden we have two or three people running for that same office. I mean, it's, 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 it's not new. And it's not just something that I encountered, but it's just, it's galling. It's maddening. It's infuriating, actually. You know, that's what it takes. It takes someone actually standing up trying to do something for the GOP in this state to do, to do something. But then what they do is try to kneecap the person who's actually trying to do something. And speaking of kneecapping someone trying to do something, or in this case, several someones, let's talk about the Massachusetts Republican Convention. Let's talk about that, because it made the news. And it's just, Jim Lyons, who is the chair, he's a former state representative, uh, he lives in Andover. He was a former state representative, represent, state representative for a number of years. He apparently doesn't understand the job of the party chair. Actually, scratch that. Let me hit the rewind button. He doesn't care what the job of the party chair is. You know, in principle, the party chair, it's not his or her job to parse. I remember actually Kirsten Hughes saying that, you know, a number of years ago. I, I heard her say that it was there was a debate. And Kirsten Hughes, um, she was the party chair before Jim Lyons. And I will say that there were times when I was very unhappy with Kirsten. <laughs> And, um, you know, I didn't agree with her. But I have said this publicly, and I'll say it again. I do have a soft spot for her. I think that she is someone that I do think she cares about the issues. I don't think she's someone who doesn't care about the people. Her brand of politics is not my own. And maybe what drives her is not what drives me. But I don't think she's a bad person. And I'm not going to say on this show that I think Jim Lyons or should I say, but <laughs> I'm not going to say on this show that Jim Lyons is a bad person. What I'm going to say is that Kirsten understood and had more respect for what the role of the party chair was supposed to be. 
or is supposed to be. And I remember at a debate, you know, because the first time that she ran, there were, you know, several candidates. And she said that. She said, it's it's not my job. It wouldn't be my job as party chair to parse, like, who is a Republican and who is not. And so, of course, you had the people that were claiming that they were conservatives, um, when Kirsten was a ch- was the chair of the Massachusetts Republican Party, and they were saying, well, there's no room for us. And while I think that their role was, or should, I'm not even going to say conservatives, that flank of the party, while it was not what it is now, I think that their their grievance of being excluded is is laughable when you when you consider what's going on today and i'm going to tell people that you know this big fight that's going on with the Massachusetts Republican Party it's not conservative versus moderate because i don't consider jim lyons a conservative I don't consider the candidates that he's backing, a lot of them, to be particularly conservative. But it's a narrative. And when you have people angling for power, there has to be a narrative. So let's talk about the Massachusetts uh, Republican convention that took place over the weekend, shall we? Yes, we shall. Um, But maybe we should take a quick break first. But we'll come back and we'll unpack that. I have a lot to say about that. Um, But I will say this as a bit of a teaser. It's not going to be a rant. I don't like to do ranting. I don't, I'm not, that's not really my thing. Although (laughs) sometimes it may not seem like that. So sorry. Um, but it's actually, uh, there will certainly be some rebukes, but I, uh, I also have a lot of hope. But let's take a quick break first, and when we come back, I can share my thoughts about this past weekend in Springfield. If you are struggling to afford internet service for your household, there is a new government program that may be able to help. It's called the Affordable Connectivity Program, and it provides up to a $30 monthly discount to qualifying households. Find more information about the program, including if you qualify and how to enroll at FCC.gov ACP or call toll-free at 877-384-2575. That's 877-384-2575. Yeah, and what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. 
I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. Are you a veteran? A or message do you know from the a veteran who is struggling with housing due to COVID-19? Veterans Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing, including hotel stays to eligible struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. You hear that? This is my Boston accent. This is my Boston accent. Yeah, it is. This is our Boston accent. Hear it for yourself, discover your own. This is Boston, and we are all inclusive. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. If you're just tuning in, thank you so, so much. I'm really grateful. I truly, truly am. Um, if you've been listening all along, you know I'm really grateful. Um, to all of you uh, as well. This is WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. And my name, of course, is Rachel Meiselman. And as we got ready to go to our break, I did say that I wanted to talk about the Massachusetts Republican Convention that took place over the weekend. And, of course, a lot of people had something to say about it outside of the party um, because there was some unfavorable press. And I just want to say that it's just it's very unfortunate because there were stories that really that should have been told and, and, and it became all about a certain set of remarks, uh, a certain tone. Um, and it's just, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the way that the party is being run. It's, don't tell me that the party is on its way to success or it will be successful under the leadership of, of Jim Lyons. He's just contending with the arduous task of building from the ground up when the party didn't even field a candidate for treasurer. I mean, that, quite frankly, is disgraceful. And 
with Rayla Campbell as the Republican nominee for secretary <laughs> of, of state, you know, secretary of the Commonwealth, it's, I mean, we might as well not have a candidate for that as well. It's, I understand that in the climate that we have been in, not that we're in, that we have been in, it's become increasingly common for people to stand up and run and not be qualified for the position that they're running for. So they will talk about what they will do, what they plan on doing, and they make it seem like they're going to drag whatever office that they're running for into the 21st century. They're going to make it more inclusive. They're going to make it more responsive. They're going to, you know, and they throw around all these buzzwords. But the reality is, is that they need to at least show that they understand what the job entails before they can start talking about how they would improve upon it. You can't talk about what you'd like to do in the office if you don't understand what's already being done. You have people who are running on their identity. So, yes, identity politics. We need more women. We need more people of color. I'm sorry, but at this point, we just need more competent people. And, you know, you have a lot of people who decry the caliber of our elected officials, and not just in Boston, but, you know, throughout the Commonwealth, but they don't vote. Or if they do vote, they sometimes vote for the clowns. Look, I'm a proud Republican. I am committed to the core values of the party, of freedom, of liberty. If you go to the website, the national, national level, I'm paraphrasing, opportunity for all, favoritism for none, toward none. Those are the values that speak to me. And I think, I am convinced, actually, I believe that that has an appeal for everybody. But regardless of the letter that one has after his or her name, that candidate has to be able to show that he or she can do the job. And if he or she actually holds office, he or she actually has to do the job. Now, I said that I don't see Jim Lyons as being conservative because he's not. He's going to try to run people now based on identity. Well, we don't do identity politics as he then proceeds to push Rayla Campbell, who has nothing going for her but her race and her gender. When is she going to drop a plan? When is she going to speak 
to what she would like to do differently from what Galvin is doing. I don't know who needs to hear this, but Bill Galvin, and I can say this, I don't care. This one doesn't like it. That one doesn't like it. I don't care anymore. I really don't. He's one of the smartest, astute elected officials out there in all of the Commonwealth. And you're going to put up someone who has no political experience, has never volunteered on a campaign at any level of government, who supposedly has 15 years of experience working like insurance claims, admin, you know, admin. But when you look at her resume, if you can even get your hands on one, the resume doesn't bear that out. Her only real civic experience because you can't even really point to that, is that she volunteered as a cheerleader coach in 2019 for a few months. So you're going to put someone like that up against Bill Galvin. Throw out all the red meat you want. And I'm making a general comment now. But at the end of the day, at some point, you got to be able to show that you understand what the office, the office that you seek. You have to be able to understand that you know what the responsibilities of said office is. You have to be able to take your experience, whatever it may be, and say, this will enable me to do the job because she's yet to do this. And this is her second run for public office. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this phenomenon. And if, if someone criticizes her, they're racist. How is that different from the political left? You know, there were other candidates there. They deserved attention. Chris Doty, Kane Campanella. And let's talk about those two. I'm actually very hopeful that they can make an argument. Now, of course, the Commonwealth, we have choices. We have the Democratic candidates, and I don't care what letter you have after your name. You should know that Maura Healy's running and Sonia Chang Diaz, just like you should know that Jeff Deal is running and Chris Doughty. Doughty, excuse me. So you should know that all of these candidates are running. You should be able to speak to their experience. You should know what their experience is and what they plan to do. Now, Doty, I think, has been very astute and talking about affordability. That's his big thing. 
So I'm excited to hear what he and his running mate, candidate for Lieutenant Governor Kate Campanella, Campanella, uh, what what she is going to say, what they're going to say, how they're going to further their argument. But I'm also going to listen to Jeff Deal and Leah Cole Allen. And of course, I will listen to Maura Healy and Sonia Chang Diaz and any of the other candidates. In fact, as the months go on, I'm going to talk about all the candidates. Now, I had heard that there uh, was an independent candidate. So what I'll do is I'll look more into that. And so um, I'll find out the status of that. Um, And of course, if there's a third party candidate, I'll talk about him or her as well. Because we need to hear what all of these candidates have to say. That's important. Because any one of them could wind up as our next governor. And then, you know, as, you know, for uh, Kate and Leah, you know, one of the two of them could be our next lieutenant governor. So we, we owe it to ourselves to be well informed about all of these different candidates. But I was excited to hear from Chris and Kate because they're fresh faces. So Chris, this is, I believe, his first foray into politics. Now, Kate, of course, um, you know, she was a state representative, um, but she, um, you know, hasn't been, I think, as heavily involved in politics for, you know, a few years. She's done some other things. So this is a step back in uh, to the political arena um, in this, you know, in in, in this particular context. So I think she brings uh, a lot of enthusiasm uh, and freshness as well. But, But again, I think that, you know, we the people, uh, <laughs> we need to know really about all these candidates. I, I mean, we should go to events for different candidates. We should uh, watch debates, and I certainly hope there will be some. We should, um, you know, if they're online meetings, go. Uh, if they're interviews on TV, listen. I mean, this is very important. But but the reason why I'm bringing this ticket up, um, you know, for governor and lieutenant governor is because it would have been nice to hear more about them. And it would have been nice for the public to hear more about them. You have Anthony Amore, who is running for um, auditor. So he's running against, you know, he'll be the Republican nominee. He's running unopposed. There were two Democratic candidates, Chris Dempsey, and uh, then you have uh, Senator uh, Diana DiZolio. And they, these, you know, they, they are running a competitive campaign, uh, campaigns. So it would have been nice to hear more about Anthony. And I just, I'm kind of, I feel like what was zeroed in on are 
remarks that were made that were deliberately made by Rayla Campbell to really kind of overshadow everything else. I thought it was an incredibly selfish move on her part. And I can't help but think or believe, I should say, that this wasn't approved of or encouraged by Jim Lyons. At the very least, at the very least, he publicly, you know, you know, on the surface, I'm not the fly on the wall, but, you know, publicly, he's he's supporting her and he's defending her. So I'm not going to repeat the remarks right now because I don't want to focus on that beyond saying that, and for those of you who may not be familiar with the remarks, um, what I'll say is that there were remarks that were made that were very crude, um, and they were about the inappropriate content that's being taught in classrooms in Massachusetts. But of course, uh, Rayla Campbell could not say where, um, and she couldn't cite any kind of sources. And even what she cited after the fact, um, excuse me, what she cited after the fact made her look like an even bigger bozo. Um, But the reason why I'm going to kind of not go into any further detail is because I would like to, in the interest of democracy, in the interest of choice, in the interest of a more balanced representation, I would like to invite people to become better informed and learn about the different candidates that, you know, the Republican Party isn't the Jim Lyons party. That's not what it is. I'll kind of jump back to what Kirsten Hughes said former chair uh, Hughes, it's not the job of the chair to parse and decide who is Republican and who's not. And an extension of that, the Republican convention this past weekend was not just those crude remarks that were made. You have candidates who want to throw their hats in the ring, who have thrown their hats in the ring, that want to offer different fare from what we currently have and have a plan to offer more balanced representation. They deserve to be heard, they deserve to be known, and they deserve to be checked out. I'm going to be talking more about the need for better representation and... Uh, what it's like living in the one-party state. But that's all I have time for now. Um, As always, I thank you so much for listening uh, to me, Rachel Meiselman, on Bostonian Rap. And of course, I look forward to hanging out with you next week. The preceding commentary does not reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119, attention WBCALP 102.9 FM. 
If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.